Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. This is Blue Moon. It's the original fan-made Manchester City podcast. Coming up, we've got news and views from Cities Week. It's your club and this is your show. So if things felt like they were starting to get going on last week's Blue Moon podcast, think how it's all feeling right now. An eventful Easter weekend saw Manchester City back in control of their own destiny in the title race domestically. And then there was the question of whether they could do it on a wet and windy Tuesday at the Etihad. And that question was emphatically answered on a wet and windy Tuesday at the Etihad. A City had Bayern Munich on toast for large spells of that game. The job isn't done, though. Far from it. We'll preview the second leg of that Champions League tie where nothing should be taken for granted. I know exactly what you have to do there. If you don't perform really well, they are able to score one, two or three. I know that. The players know it. And we know it too. On top of that, City have to keep the pressure on Arsenal at the top of the table. And it's Leicester up next at the Etihad. We'll hear from Neil from the Leicester podcast Beyond the 90 later on in the show to find out about their season so far. Also on the show, with more sackings in the Premier League than any season before, and with Guardiola perhaps the most secure manager in world football, we're casting an eye back to a time when new managers at City were ten a penny. Sam Roscoe goes on a trip down memory lane to the final months of the year 1996. Plenty to be getting on with then, so let's get the ball rolling. I'm David Mooney and I'm joined by two City fans, Kieran Murray. Hello, Blue. And Chris Higginbottom. Hello there, how are you doing? Not too bad, thanks Chris, not too bad. You well? Um, shall I just be polite and say, yeah, pretty well, thanks. Yeah, just let's not go too deeply into it, but it doesn't sound like you're all right if that's the answer you're giving, but we'll we'll, we'll accept yes, Kieran, you well? <laughs> Yeah, better than Higgy with a sign of things. <laughs> yeah, um, but at least Higgy, the football must have cheered you up this week because um, no end. I mean, we'll we'll start with the Champions League. We're going to do things a bit differently on this week's show. We're gonna we're gonna focus on the competitions. So we'll do Champions League first and then Premier League second. Um, uh, just what I mean in terms of, of City taking on Bayern Munich, Higgy. Um, you can't have been expecting the result we got, could you? Uh, no, I mean you you know that if we put the sort of performance together that we are capable of, then why not? Why shouldn't we be beating top teams 3-0 at home in the first leg of a competition that we generally don't <laughs> win? Because we might you know, lose 3-0 in the next one or 4-0. But, you know, in all seriousness, we're quite capable of doing that. Bayern aren't at their kind of optimum Bayern-ness of uh you know historically so in some ways it shouldn't be surprising but obviously you go in there pessimistic if we'd have come out having lost 2-1 or 1-2-1 and it'd been really scrappy you wouldn't have been massively uh it wouldn't be like oh my god i can't believe that's happened um but the performance we put in like you uh, it's one of it's one of the best um you know, match performances I've seen from a city side. I think, it's, yeah. If you take the opposition into account, like who, trying to pick a man of the match from that, it there was about eight or nine players you could barely split. The yeah, performances all over the pitch were just absolutely top draw. I mean, Akanji, who I have been, you know, 
I wouldn't say fiercely critical. I'd say fairly critical, as in critical in a fair way. Um, <laughs> it was absolutely immense. He had a couple of little moments, but overall, he was absolutely superb. Uh, Stones, again, just goes from, well, not just strength to strength, but position to position, uh, and <laughs> with, you know, with ease and, and aplomb. Um, Gundogan set the tone and the attitude superbly, as he often does. Please give that man a two-year contract. I was wondering about whether he should have two years. Give him two years. He could probably carry on the way he does for four, but give him two. Bernardo, I mean, he was one of our best defenders. He was one of our best attackers. Grealish looks like a million-pound player. A million-pound, hundred-million-pound. It was just just ridiculous. Like, what what an amazing performance. Just absolutely enthralling, compelling, enjoyable. And it's just such a shame it's only half-time. Yeah, there was. It was funny, Kieran, because uh, I had my own uh, no Vinny no moment uh, in that first half when uh, <laughs> Rodri took the ball because I was seconds of, like as 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 he as he picked up the ball the first time in that move. Uh, I could hear. I was watching on TV, but I could hear the crowd going shoot, 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 and he knocked it outside. And there was a there was a little bit of play on the outside before he got it back and, and took the shot on eventually. Um, but there was there was a moment where I almost had enough time to tweet the words. The last thing a game like this needs at a stage like this is Rodri taking an effort on his weaker foot from thirty yards. <laughs> you must be a fast typer, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't doing it on my phone. I was on my laptop. So there you go. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a stunning, stunning finish. Um, I don't think Rodri has always set the world alight in the Champions League. Some of his. Um, lesser performances have come in that competition um, and he's susceptible to a mistake or two. Um, I didn't realise that was his first Champions League goal and I didn't realise it was his first in, what, 35 games or 35 attempts or something. So yeah, He was um, cruelly denied at Copenhagen though, wasn't he? Yeah. The VAR yeah. took that one off him when it really shouldn't have done. But That's right, yeah. Um, I just, it was a, a wonderful finish that kind of, his performances lately and his, his performances this season, really. Um, Higgy talked about Gundogan setting the tone, but I think the tone is always sort of set from Rodri. Um, there was a brilliant kind of interview with Bernardo where he said, you know, it was defenders defending and attackers attacking kind of. It seems like Pep has suddenly brought us really, really back to just the absolute basics and that's how he's got us ticking and that's how he's got us purring at the minute by just players doing... The, the basics but really 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 well and you know players in different positions that you wouldn't expect but doing the jobs and, and mixing it all up but Rodri just everything seems to emanate from him and what an incredible finish on his on his weaker foot I just the, the there's one angle you know from behind him where yeah curling the bend on it and you can see all the faces of the crowd behind the goal as well and yeah it just lit up the tie and um and and set us, you know, it was a it was a launch pad for for what was to come. It was an absolutely incredible game. Um, perfect, wasn't it? Yeah, just wonderful. Yeah, but speaking of wonderful though, Chris uh, Grealish uh, stealing the ball for the second goal. Uh, I mean, first off, second goal where uh, both goals had a Grealish back heel in them, so fantastic. Anyway, uh, but then yeah, but then Harland yeah. Harland gets the ball inside the box, and I think everybody in the ground was going shoot, 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 and he goes, no, no, I'm just going to pop this on the littlest guy's head. Yeah, the the big man at the back post. 
Uh, <laughs> Grealish was just superb all evening. Um, Haaland, he just, there's something so calculated about his decision-making process. Even when it doesn't come off, you can look at it and go, generally speaking, it's the right decision, even if it doesn't work, you know, and it was the right decision there as, as it played out. Bernardo, what what right is he to, to be getting up there and power? I mean, he put his neck into that, didn't he? Absolutely powered mm. it past him. And then he was at it again, like about two minutes later, and nearly got to another header. But yeah. He's got four headers for City, which surprised me. I thought, like, I, I genuinely thought that might have been his first, but no. Just a good footballer, isn't he? Um, does everything well. He somehow, he's probably to his advantage uh, on headers being so small because you kind of don't expect that from him. You don't think you need to cover that kind of play from him. But yeah, he knew where to be. And when he got there, he just finished it so emphatically with his head. It was just, oh, yeah, the place went mental. It was great. Yeah. Harland obviously has to get on the score sheet as well, Kieran. Um, nice little assist from John Stones, but it was it's it's almost inevitable now, isn't it? Forty five goals, the best the best return of a Premier League player in all competitions across a Premier League season. That is, um, it, it's absolutely mental, isn't it? Because Higgy just said a minute ago they're trying to work out the man of the match because they were also at the top of their game, and it's weird, isn't it? Because the, the the weak spot or the one who didn't really do all that much is Haaland, who got a goal and an assist. It's like, <laughs> you know, he, he he's he's barely been involved, and then his his involvement is so pivotal and so crucial. Um, and it feels like I mean, early on in the season when he was getting you know a hat trick every game kind of thing. Um, I. It, it, we were using him right then, but all of a sudden it feels like he's. We are set up so well to play to his strengths, and he's just a kind of battering ram at the front of of, of our offense. But everybody else is putting all their strength behind their roles. It's just that was that was like because Bayern were decent, and it wasn't. You know there were no kind of standout performers because everybody was a standout performer so it just left it as one of the most complete team performances but still Bayern had a threat and and it, it was just great to see two big big teams going at it um and it was so thrilling to watch but yeah what what a player Haaland is it's absolutely wonderful I, I just I think I said this the last time I was on the show I, I seem to pinch myself that he's playing for us and yeah. that you know that is that his season is going as well as as it was. All this kind of like the two seasons with a false nine and no striker, and you know all the kind of like oh, if City had a striker, if City had a striker, and then this is what happens if City do have a striker at forty five goals. It's absolutely obscene. But even with Haaland, even when um, like you're saying, he wasn't it sort of perversely wasn't hugely involved despite his goal and assist. It's his it's his towering presence, isn't it? it I know it's been said before, but it was really evident against Bayern um, where I was kind of watching from. Um, they were terrified his, of him. Yeah. Exactly. His, he, he would make sort of perfunctory runs that he doesn't expect to get the ball played on the end of. And there's three players buzzing around him, mm -hmm. um, fearful. And that allows the rest of the team to play around, you know, to play where he isn't in more space and 
and pick pick holes and, and drag players around more easily because there's so many players attracted to the obvious uh, threat of, of Haaland. It's just yeah. like it's just such a so great we do get some well. of the benefits of the false nine system with that space being created, but we also have the world's best number nine as well. Yeah, it, it's a false false nine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's insanity. Like. <laughs> Yeah. Right, well, there's, uh, we're, we're going to play a little game now. Oh, no. It's time to play Erling Haaland higher or lower. What is this? So this one is, is really, really easy, okay? Uh, Erling Haaland, he scored 45 goals for City when they beat... Uh, he, he got his 45th against Bayern Munich on Tuesday night. Uh, that means he's level with Nicholas Anelka on the number of goals that they've scored for the club. Haaland did it in 39 games. Anelka did it in two and a half seasons or 103 games. So for this one, I'm going to give you a City player. All you've got to do is tell me if they scored more or less than 45 goals for the club. Make sense? Higher. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes, so, yes. Uh, you're both going to get to answer this one, but I want opposite answers. So I'm going to going to alternate who goes first. Uh, Kieran, you're going to go first for uh, number one. So Mario Balotelli, did he score more or less than 45 goals for City? Uh, less, less than 45. Higgy, that means you've got higher than uh, than 45. Wasn't his number 45? That's his number was 45. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, that's maybe what drew me to him in the first place for this yeah, question. Yeah. Uh, no, he scored 30. Uh, 30 goals in 80 appearances. So, 1-0 uh, to Kieran. Second player, yes. Higgy, you're up first. Um, Sean Wright Phillips, higher or lower? It's got to be higher. Okay, Higgy's going higher. That means you're lower, Kieran. 47 he got. So, uh, so Harlan's very close behind, but he is higher. Uh, that was 275 appearances. So, Kieran, over Sweep to you. Sweep is clear. Yeah, 1-1, uh, Kieran, over to you. Uh, Kevin Horlock, higher or lower? Uh, lower. Lower it is. 42 goals in uh, 232 appearances. So 2-1, Kieran. Uh, over to you, Higgy. Paul Dickoff. Oh, wasn't exactly prolific. It's in a bad team. It was out a while. I mean, how many seasons did he chalk up? I'd say higher. He must have been there at least four seasons and got to be scoring enough. Oh, yeah, higher. Higher, that means Kieran's lower. And it is lower. 41 goals in 200 appearances for Paul no Dickoff. I should have bloody known that. What, <laughs> what has he ever done for us? <laughs> <laughs> so, 3-1. Kieran, you can really take a commanding lead now with uh, with player number five. It's Ilkay Gundogan, higher or lower? Oh. Oh. He's been here since Pep's first season, hasn't he? And he was oh, our top scorer in the COVID season. Uh, so I will say higher than 45. Yeah, oh. but not by much. 54 oh. goals he's got. 293 appearances, 54 goals. So uh, Haaland only nine behind him now. Um, but yes, it's 4-1. Uh, Higgy, you need this one. Niall Quinn. Higher. Definitely higher. 77 goals in 244 appearances. So uh, I've lost count of the scores. Is that 4-2 now, I think, maybe? Yeah, let's say 4-2. Yep. Uh, Kieran, over to you. Leroy Sane. Uh, lower. It is lower. 39 goals in 135 appearances. Have you got uh, tricky ones for Kieran at any point? <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> hey, it's the look of the draw, I'm afraid, Hickey. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, 
5-2 it is uh, you've got uh, Edin Dzeko uh. again it's quite tricky what was it with those three years 45 I'll say higher it is higher it is higher 72 goals in 189 oh, appearances for Dzeko so that's 5-3 uh, Kieran over to you Uwe Rosler Lower. He says lower. It's not lower. It's he's got scored, to be 80 odd. He scored 64 in 177 appearances. Mm. So that's 5-4. Uh, Higgy, you can uh, you can pull level Get with the him. final question. Darren Huckabee. Higher. Oh, he's lost it at the death. <laughs> it was uh, it was lower. 31 goals in 82 appearances. There you go. Useless. Absolutely useless. Lovely stuff. There we go. Just, just a little bit of fun and games for uh, to, to mark how, how well Har- Harlan's doing. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> it shouldn't have hurt that, but I'm slightly annoyed. <laughs> Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. So let's uh, let's talk properly then about the game um, because uh, Higgy, it was it was it was a game where it, it definitely went in spells. There were spells where where City were were absolutely pinning Bayern back, but there were also spells where Bayern were pinning City back, and maybe they didn't get the chances that City got. Um, but it, there, there was certainly pressure either way. Um, what do you think was the difference in the end between between City and Bayern? Why was City able to to, to kind of pull so far away? <laughs> I've, I've not really got any deep. Analysis for you, you might be shocked. <laughs> but I don't know, Bayern seemed to lack um, like a, a central focus point up front in the way that we have. Um, they didn't, they didn't, like I said earlier, they didn't seem, they're not like quite as scary as perhaps Bayern teams of the past have been. I was very glad to see, for instance, Mane not fit. Um, or not started. I'm presuming it wasn't fit because you know he's a world class player and tends to do pretty well against us. Yeah, he likes a goal against City, doesn't he? Yeah, seeing him he was fit enough to life. batter Sane afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yo, the hell was that all about? He's like smashed his face in. Sane was probably their best player, and he's whacking yeah. him. God knows what was said. Maybe, yeah. uh, maybe. Well, I don't know. It's all speculative as well. But in terms of the difference. City just, maybe it was the home advantage, maybe it was the tactics, maybe it was the, they just seem to have more energy and 
just those performances, like I was saying about the, the man of the match, everyone being at the top of the game like that, you couldn't look at Bayern's team and say, wow, everyone played really well there. Um, and that is testament to how well we played. They're great players that they've got, but we forced them to not play well yeah 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 um kieran it was it was kind of quite nice to see an opposition team's uh, a, a quality opposition team succumb to city pressure instead of the other way around for once wasn't it always feels yeah. like city are the ones where they go well we got great players but you know bayern were just too much or real madrid were just too much or, like there's always it's always city on the receiving end of that so it was nice to yeah, be on the, yeah. on the on the victory side of that that's it um there was just there's just been a combination of factors I think that have really played you know into our hands, our form at the minute and the momentum we're gaining. It's just you know keeping us on such a good stead, um, but everything played into our hands really well. I think the fact that they got rid of Nagelsmann and are in the sort of transitional period of having a new manager, um, I just don't think it seems to have settled. They they seem to be in slight disarray at the moment. Uh, Bayern, so they've got that sort of Chelsea-ish complex where they're a little bit, they're lacking in their identity and they're kind of a little bit rudderless and directionless. Um, and that seemed to like tell its story on the pitch. Um, really good players. I think we were actually, we were after up Meccano a few seasons ago, I'm, I'm almost certain, or he was linked with us. Was that um, when they got Diaz in the end, do you think? Yeah, pr- yeah. possibly, yeah. It was when we were after a centre-back and by all accounts, he did really well under the previous manager. So he just seemed a little bit confused, caught in two minds, a little bit rattled. Um, Jack Grealish's form and positional play and what he's become as a presser and how he has nailed down that that role over there. I mean, when I say over there, I hope <laughs> I hope you just picture that one spot on the pitch yeah. where he seems to occupy constantly at the moment and has just made... That corner area, and uh, I just picture him at the moment either operating in loads of space, or taking people on and doing that kind of sideways run, like parallel with the halfway line, um, acro- across the box, and John Stones coming out into midfield from centre back as opposed to right back, like he was at the weekend or has been recently. Um, there was just city men all over the pitch. It just felt like there was a, an extra man advantage. And then, as as Higgy talked about with uh, Haaland making those, you know, deceptive little runs. And then what I thought, um, like De Bruyne had a good game, but when uh, Alvarez came on, what he offered as well, we were just we were running rings around them. And and you know, it was it wasn't through Pep overthinking. It was just through doing what we've been doing lately. Um, knowing who's in form and who's who's up for it and. I just I think Pep's been getting so many calls right recently, and the the players are in fun, fa- fantastic form, and it's it's just it's paying dividends on the pitch, and the yeah. results have just been incredible at the at the business end of the season. It's so so you just feel there's a there's a vibe and an optimism around the around the club at the moment, and uh, Tuesday night was the epitome of that. Yeah, Higgy, you talked before about Akanji and and uh, how well he played. Uh, we touched a little bit on Stones before. We can't not uh, talk about. I mean, uh, there was a, a couple of times where Ruben Diaz just basically put his body on the line to keep the ball out of the net. Um, but Nathan Ake as well, like how he dealt with uh, well both Coleman and, and Sane in different different ways. The, the fact that the opposition wingers are swapping flanks to try and you know get a bit of joy, it, it just says the fullbacks doing well, doesn't it? Aki's just quietly 
superb, isn't he? Um, mm. He somehow manages to be like understated yet absolutely fantastic. Yeah, um, it's, it's it's yeah, it's strange. He's good in the air. He's good on the ball. He's strong in the tackle. He's sensible. Um, if he's good going forward, like he's he's, he's fantastic, and. It's a shame on Laporte that Laporte isn't in that team because I think he's a better footballer than Akanji, but he's left-footed and the system that we're using at the moment is working so well that you'd have to disrupt the actual formation and tactics a bit to, to fit Laporte in with, you know, Stones roaming and kind of like, you know, too many left-footed players in there. But yeah, Aki's just absolutely superb. People were slagging him a bit when he came, and you know, our fans are becoming a bit too "I want it now" kind of reactionary um, with players and, and the bedding in process. And Aki's just gone from strength to strength. He's also a, a lovely bloke as well, yeah. which uh, you know, goes a long way. And as for Diaz, I mean, there was that that block where he practically did the splits. Um, and stuck that back leg out. Um, you, you, I mean, you, you do that every week, though, don't you, anyway? I do, yeah, but it's nice to see other people implementing <laughs> that, that skill set. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I mean, that wasn't even the best of it. The, that It was like, you know, that one that they rave about from Bobby Moore on Pele? Yeah. That last gasper in the area where it looked all ends up like a goal-scoring opportunity until he timed that perfect tackle. And it's just like, wow, we're in the presence of, of greatness here. So so much of that game, though, you're just like, shit, if I saw this like from one player over the course of a season, I'd be satisfied. And we've got like 10 players pulling out the bag every five minutes. Oh, it, was, it was amazing. I had to. I, I've got to quote this from from Sam Lee, um, who he, he said uh, he was he was a little bit frustrated because this got taken out of his article. So I'm, I'm going to give it the airtime it deserves here, because uh, he said that Ruben Diaz's tackle on Serge Gnabry was like uh, Bobby Moore on Pele, but for the motivational meme generation. <laughs> of which I am not one, but yeah, I get the sentiment. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, Diaz is basically a walking LinkedIn post, isn't he? That's uh, that's what he is. Um, uh, Kieran, what did you make of uh, the receptions for the uh, ex-City player Leroy Sane and the uh, ex-current City player uh, Joao Cancelo? It was uh, it very, two very contrasting reactions they got. Um, yeah, I suppose. Is time a healer, perhaps? Because I wasn't overly enamoured with Leroy Sane and the way he left the club. Um, he was he was great when he was there, but then... I don't know if I've, I've kind of memory hold that either because there were question marks over his attitude and and Pep didn't always play him or you know rate him or praise him when when he was kind of encouraged to, um, and he did push for a move. I I, I seem to recall did Sané move to Munich like earlier than necessary because yeah. it was during it was during lockdown or something was it or it was during the kind of restart of the season and it, yeah it he, was project restart and uh, he was still rehabbing his injury um and he i think he would have been available but the deal was already done and would go through in the summer yeah um, and he just kind of went well okay then i'll just go now yeah see I, like i don't remember being impressed with that and any kind of star player who's a, a bit want away 
even though you know he is kind of wanting to return to his his, his home country and that and you know Bayern's a huge opportunity for him especially when he wasn't always getting the minutes at City but you know I was a bit disappointed with how Sané left us really because I loved him um so maybe time maybe time has healed wounds there um and there was a nice reception for him whereas the Cancelo wounds are a little bit more raw and a little bit fresher and he's been he's been sort of running his mouth like every other day it seems at the moment um not directly because he's been quite respectful about pep and about about the club um but i think it's pretty clear that he was a villain in the dressing room and i don't think it's any coincidence that our form has has massively upturned since they kind of rooted that bad apple um out the vibes so, are better yeah vibes are better yeah exactly and he was making bad faces and if 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 it seems to be sort of an underlying um kind of spoiled brat in the dressing room and you you know you're kind of going on rumor and and uh, hearsay but then he goes to Bayern Munich and openly is a mouthpiece and you know is giving off and kicking off and and moaning and whinging you know there's no smoke without fire there is there so perhaps what he's been saying in the media and the the idea of the kind of guy he is just you know, it required a few bu- uh, a few boos to get it out of the fan system on on Tuesday night. Yeah. I, I've no problem with that really. I don't think you were. I don't think you were that impressed, Heggy. Were you with the boos? I'm not massively into booing generally, unless it's like a ref. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but like, I mean, the fact is, he could come back to us. Um, I was going to say um, this though. Is, is he? Is, is that now burnt the bridges with him? Is, or has he burnt the bridges in the way he left? Well, he's not exactly. I wouldn't describe him as an arch di- diplomat. Uh, the stuff that he's been coming out <laughs> yeah. with. Um, you know, he's it's a bit a bit of a silly boy. He's gone there, and he's not even in favour there, is he? So it's like, you know, you're basically standing on the last ember of smoking bridge, aren't you? He's burning, burning bridges left, right, and centre. He's going to have nowhere to go at this rate. But someone will snap him up. He might go to Madrid or somewhere and do really well because he's a he's a lovely footballer. But he just seems a bit of a, a moody ass if he's not getting one hundred percent his own way. And he and if that starts infiltrating into infiltrating into others in the dressing room, then yeah, get rid. Uh, thing is with Sane, loads of people still want him back. I don't agree with that either. Really, I don't think he's been the same after his. Uh, injury, although he looked dangerous. He's obviously still a great player. He looked probably Bayern's most dangerous player. Um, but, yeah, does, no, there's no point in booing Cancelo. I mean, if apart from anything else, he's obviously about to come on. Why motivate him? Yeah. yeah. It's just like, it's just counterproductive. There was a running battle, Kieran, between Sane and Edison. Um, I've got to give a shout out to, to Edison's performances lately because uh, we'll we'll come on to uh, the Southampton game when we talk about the Premier League in a bit. But obviously, great one-on-one save there. Several great saves uh, against Bayern. It, it feels quietly like it, like the criticism earlier in the season. He's turned it around. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I I've always imagined that criticism just like flows off Ederson like water off a duck's back. You know, I don't, I don't think, I think he's just too mad and wacky to ever actually like consider that or to let it get to him, you know. Um, but whatever's happened with his form recently, it is it, it has improved. I think just the whole team seems to be 
on this path of, um, you know, success and destruction and everything in their past getting wiped away and Ederson's just fallen into that. We just, we seem to have a, a winning mentality and uh, everybody's inspired and fired up and, and he's coming alongside that. Um, it's infectious winning and, you know, there, there are whispers in the air that we're still heavily and highly involved and, you know, in good favour for three pots, at you know, in mid-April. So I'm sure you can't help but just kind of be inspired and up for it. And yeah, he was brilliant on Tuesday night. Um, I love him anyway. I think he's a, I think he's a great keeper because what he does and what he offers um, us as a club and, and, you know, in Pep's vision, um, I don't think we'd be the same team without him. Um, but yeah, it, as a, his issue's always been kind of shot stopping, and, and it was brilliant to see him shot, stopping some shots the other night. I think it's one of them, David, where like when when you're getting peppered with more shots, and yet your concentration has to be on it. And maybe you can help me with this, but as a goalkeeper, like it, it, will his concentration be more because Bayern were tricky side who were shooting a lot more and you know what you had somebody like Leroy Sané who was finding space to get shots away you know more so than maybe it, when you're playing teams who'll have one shot on target and maybe his concentration dips a little bit like that possibly I mean I can't really speak from experience because every team I've played in tends to concede a lot of shots and I I mean equally at the same time I've been beaten from all angles so I you know it's not I I, I can't sit here and say uh yes the concentration thing but it's possible um it, it's it's certainly possible I don't know like a rhythm thing maybe you know like you get with outfield players who you know strikers if you don't get regular football it's hard to get your rhythm if you're not if you Edison you might be getting regular games but you're not playing much football half the time you, mm-hmm. I mean, that's why this bored Edison moniker comes from because he's got that yeah. little to do. All you had to do was save that one, one-on-one where you're completely exposed in the 76th minute. It's like, well, sorry, <laughs> lads. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> one-on-ones are not easy to save. Come on, yeah, no. give us a, give us a chance. Yeah. Um, but what he does need to cut out is legging it out of the box at uh, 30 miles an hour with his studs up. Uh, yeah, I would I would agree with that. He seems to that's kind of what he seems to have done though this week. It seems to have been like all of the saves he's made. It seems to have dropped <laughs> into his six yard box. Well, yeah, yeah, like the Southampton game and the and the the, the um, Bayern game. He, he was he was taking up a position in his six yard box to uh, to stop those shots. So he was uh, he, it was almost as if he was giving himself more time to react to the shot than, than okay. trying to rush the striker. So I'm yeah I'm I'm quietly confident. Um, Hey, can you have a listen to this as well? This is Guardiola from, from after the game summing up his feelings. He's not comfortable at all. Emotionally, I'm destroyed. <laughs> I, have, uh, I have 10 more years today. So, no, no, they are, it was so demanding game. So, now I have to relax and day off, the guys prepare for listed again and after we travel. I know exactly what you have to do there. If you don't perform really well, they are able to score one, two, or three. I know that. The players know it. So it's an incredible result. But uh, we have to do our game with a huge, huge personality. Otherwise, this top clubs of teams. So uh, uh, I had the feeling with they had the first leg in, in, in Munich and a bad result quite similar to him. Here, I have our chances. But here in our stadium, is, we have something special this season. You know, we have our momentums. We 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 are clinical. We we have that weapon. It's the same in Munich. 
Mm-hmm. I've been there. You are not been there. I've been there three years, and I know what does it means and the people. And but, of course, we are going to there to score goals and to try to win the game. If we are there just to to do that, it will be so difficult. If you enjoy the show, please give it a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. So we're all here talking about 3-0 and, you know, that what a great advantage that is. He's not taking anything for granted. And in many ways, um, he, like he underlines that by saying that if, if City had gone to Bayern and lost 3-0 in the first leg, bringing them back to the Etihad, he'd still feel like they had a chance. So I, I guess it's nice to hear that, that, that they are going, you know, this, this is not a job that's done yet. Well, absolutely. You can't afford to be complacent because that, then you will lose. Um, Bayern are a great side and uh, also it might hint at the fact that you know as we are better than them because even if they had managed to fluke a three and a win against us we're still better than them and we'd, we'd take them apart at our place but yeah. um no nah, i mean you, you know you know as well as i do you can't you can't take it for granted going away in the champions league to a club like bayern and so much hinges on certain moments you don't know what's going to happen they could score early we could get a man sent off the referee could be a maniac all three might happen it's <laughs> so yeah uh, as long as we as long as we start strongly um and don't do anything daft then surely it's ours uh, for the for the taking but yeah, yeah no room for complacency whatsoever yeah, Sam Laker, and he was saying to me that there's always this weird thing in football where immediately after the game you go three nil. God, it's that that's an amazing result. It's job done, and then by kickoff on uh, next Wednesday, we'll all be sitting here imagining all the scenarios in which Bayern go through, and we're going, God, it's actually three nil's not comfortable at all. Uh, the answer's somewhere in the middle there, isn't it? You've got to you've got to be be careful not to not to get done. But ultimately, City are uh, they're nearly there. Jake Humphrey on BT said it was uh, it, it felt like more than half done. Um, so, what percentage done is it? Like, like, how much more than half done is it? I don't. Right, I don't know because that exactly what you've just said, David, is kind of the way my mind will be working. It will be all these horrifying scenarios where I mean, we've seen big comebacks in the Champions League. We've seen what you know what the likes of Liverpool have achieved. You know, when they were completely written off. Um, our our um. The benefit we have is that I think, as I said earlier on, I think Bayern are in a bit of a in a bit of a strange phase transitionally. Um, they're kind of not as clear in the league at this stage of the season as they normally would be. Um, by the sound of things, not all is happy in the camp with Mane and Sane fighting. Um, and Cancelo's faces, don't forget that. Cancelo's faces, of course, yeah. Um, there are mistakes in them, as Abumakano demonstrated on Tuesday night. Um, and also, like City probably will score at the Allianz. Like, um, do you do you City's think the def- fact that that Bayern have to go for it a little bit probably plays into City's hands there as well? Because That's it as well, yeah. yeah. Um, but I was thinking about this the other night, like, and, and, and I was going to ask on the podcast, like, has has the lack of away goals me like, had anything on this? Because Bayern, you know, probably would have been even more open on. Tuesday night at ours if you know if away goals were a thing so one thing I think is we also got so badly burnt and stung last year at the hands of Real Madrid so we know what these 
super massive big clubs can achieve in the Champions League when they've you know when they've had years of being tr- a traditional elite club in that yeah. competition and winning it multiple times. And you know Pep knows what the Allianz is about and he knows what Bayern can achieve. So even though I do think we are more than halfway and one foot is in the semi-final, we just have to be measured and professional and controlled and realize that anything can happen on these mad nights. And at City, after all, like have we ever gone out of the competition at this stage without a madness happening? So you just have to be really on your guard and very, very careful, especially knowing what happened this last season. I think we'll always learn from from madnesses and hopefully next year can go again and and, you know it feels more than ever that this might be our year i just don't know how to put a a quantitative number on it unfortunately yeah so maybe not one foot maybe not one foot in the semi-final maybe maybe a couple of toes in the semi-final already yeah you see stats pop up all the time about clubs and players and you want to know that exact thing about city there's an answer statcity.co.uk Want to find out all of the players who played alongside club legends like David Silva, Sergio Aguero or Vincent Company? Or maybe you'd like to know which team found it hardest to score past Joe Hart. You can find out City's record in every competition, at every stadium and under every manager. Just go to statcity.co.uk and browse away. That's statcity.co.uk You can listen to the show ad-free by joining our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. Right, well, let's switch our attention to the Premier League now. City have the opportunity to put Arsenal under pressure again this weekend. Uh, They can close the gap to three points on Saturday night. That would be on level games as well before Arsenal travel to West Ham on the Sunday. Uh, We'll talk about the title picture shortly, but first let's check in with this weekend's opponents. If City are going to continue their title push, they'll need to take advantage of Leicester's poor form. I've been speaking to Neil from the Leicester podcast and YouTube channel Beyond the 90 to discuss their season so far. This season's been crap. Um, let's be honest, that's the only word I can use for it. It's been, everything has been awful. Um, the main reason because of it was genuinely down to the manager and the owners not want to get rid of him. Now he's gone. Um, it feels like the fan base is healing. I think you've seen it again. You, you're old enough to know, and you're probably your fans are as well, where you've been in this position. You've been in just the, the players are not turning up. Um, it's, the, the the tactics aren't working. The manager's being toxic. It's just an awful... And the fan base is toxic because even when we're in the relegation zone and before Brennan Rodgers was fired, there was... Uh, well, mutual consent, as it was called. There was a lot of things involved there which were... A lot of the fans there were going, look, give him time. Let's see if we can sort it out. And there's some people that go, look, we want him out now. And people, other people are going, if you want him out, who are going to get in his place? There's all sorts of horribleness going on in the ground. Now that we've got him out... We've got um, Dean Smith in and it's amazing how much the fan base just lifted and united around the team because the confidence was rock bottom. As you guys know, because it's a very similar team that when we beat you 5-2, again, I have to mention that for the sake of (laughs) making me feel a little bit happy because that feels so long ago. Um, We were a similar team played then. We have that similar squad played then that's playing now, pretty much. I mean, what's what's that? That's nearly it's two seasons ago. That now, isn't it? it was twenty yeah. twenty? Was that was that twenty twenty one or was it twenty one twenty two? That was that was twenty twenty one, wasn't it? It might have been. I think after that game, there was criticism over Pep, and then he went on that unbelievable run. I think he went on to win the league as well. Yeah. 
So since then, pretty much it's the, the same squad. So we've gone from finishing fifth, fifth, eighth relegation zone. But now, now he, what it is, Brendan Rodgers isn't a bad manager. He's just, his time was up. Like Mourinho, like Conte, when they reached that limit, they that that's their time that's their time they can't they can't do any more so now that Dean smith is in again he's i think he's a fantastic appointment um craig shakespeare's come back john terry has come as in a defensive coach and the whole atmosphere from what i've read and hearing from people at the ground a training ground has lifted now does it mean we're going to go beat man city probably not um but it's just nice to have a positive atmosphere that the fans can get behind because the little things have just been missing and it's been so toxic of recent. Yeah, I mean, I, you, it's interesting you say that as well because um, obviously the, the there's the, the good old football um, kind of cliche of uh, new manager bounce and, and all that sort of thing, which I know a few City fans are, 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 are kind of thinking, oh, typical City, here we go again, Leicester will, will, will have an upturn now they've got a new manager. Um, but it, it's kind of the fixtures after City, isn't it, that you, that you need to focus on. I mean, you, you look at the three games after, it's Wolves, Leeds and Everton. And it's like, if, you, if you're going to stay up, those are the games you need to win, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. And that's what we desperately need for this for this game. Again, coming into this game, the majority of Leicester fans are going, We'll write this one off, this Man City game. It's almost a free hit. If we get if we get a draw, I'll take I'll stack my hand off right now for a draw. Um, but we are in a very carry a very bad position because before there was a time where there was only two points separating us and twelfth. Now there's eight. That's a big. That's a big difference. So, we've just got to pray that we stay safe. Again, you were mentioning that three matches after that is where we really, really want to be. Um, but we've just got to hope that we stay up. Um, Dean. But the thing is, as you guys, know, as was mentioned before, this squad is good enough to compete for top ten. We are a good squad. We do know how to play good football. Dean Smith just needs to go put his arm around the people, go, um, the lads, and go. Look, we can play. You are a good team. Um, and we can play good football because from what I'm re- from what I'm hearing as well, we've not had this level of confidence in the training ground since we won since since the week before the FA Cup, which for me, hopefully, will be enough to keep them up because the squad's there, the players are there, every the players we've got are fantastic. It's just they've been running to the ground by a manager that just reeks of toxicity, unfortunately. Yeah, I was going to say what because like what's been going wrong in that sense? Because obviously, if you if the squad is is still there and still good enough, I mean, is it has it just got a bit stale? Is that a, is that another aspect to it? I mean, stale would be one thing, but then stale wouldn't mean dropping from eighth to the relegation zone. And if that was the case, we would be about mid table and it will thirteenth, and it wouldn't really be happening. The fact that we've gone from such extremes, it was that we were soft. Throughout the midfield, the tactics weren't working. Other teams have sussed us out. Um, I think in terms of form, if you take the first half of the season, Leicester City would be in the top 10. I think we're eighth. But the amount of times we've conceded this and last season after like 80th minutes, I think we've dropped 22 points from winning positions, 25 maybe. It's been really bad. Um, so the, the players there, but they, they've just not been they've the confidence in the manager. So every time it will be the breast Brendan. Oh, I feel like I'm going to rant. Um, Brendan <laughs> Rodgers going on the press conference. He'll praise you the team. He'll slag. He will basically go. My team's not good enough. I need new players, and he loses the game because the players aren't confident. They go forget it, whatever, and then he just repeats cycle, and that cycle is repeating again and again. 
So do you know what? I'm glad he's gone. I think he's a good manager. He's just got a very short shelf life. And for us, after the four seasons, you see how badly it can go. So I know he's linked to Tottenham at the moment. If they keep for a couple of years, I think he'll do well for them. But his shelf life as a man- shelf life manager is maximum three years. Yeah. Um, just looking at, at your recent form, then. I mean, it's it's hard to judge going into a game with a, a new manager and a new feeling around the place, but uh, ju- just looking at the recent form, it's uh, it's only one point from the last possible 24. Um, that that needs to change and quickly, doesn't it? 100%. I don't think it'll be against Man City. Um, if we get a draw, again, that doubles the amount of points we've got over the last um, six or seven games. So, yeah, it's been, honestly, it's been woeful. Um, even, even when Brendan Rodgers was got rid of the the there was only one game one day of training before we played Villa and then against Bournemouth the, the confidence was still on the floor um, but against Man City look it's, it's going to be a write-off I think however I think most Leicester fans are feeling like that we're just happy to get behind a team that believes in themselves and as bad as that sounds that shows you how much confidence can do as you're saying it's a cliche to say about confidence but in this case it means an awful lot to us it, it, it took us from above 10th place and finishing in European spots and just outside European spots to relegation zone. And with a team that, yes, there are, there are a few problems and there will be a massive refresh in the summer, but I'm just praying that we stay in the Premier League. And I'm, I'm really excited to see, even if we don't win, just a decent performance for over half the match because that's the, that's, that's the, that's the criteria at the moment. I've just put up a good fight, just like we did against... Because um, again, if if, man, if if people from uh, Man City fans watched the other match again, the one nil previously, it was a very different game. Uh, we played super well. We just again, KDH had an absolute brilliant free kick, but we played super well. And that was after that, we kind of just went off a cliff. Um, and it's not. We've I don't think we've gone over fourteenth the entire season. Yeah, um, I, I, it doesn't sound like there are many players in form at the moment. Is there anybody that uh, that you you've looked at in the last few weeks who have gone? You know what? I I can see what you're doing. You've uh, you you know you you're at least working hard for the team. I don't know, really. I mean, at the moment, Daniel Everson. So Danny Ward has been dropped off. Oh, one of our academy prospects, and Daniel Everson has come in. He's looked pretty decent. Um, I think you'll see a rejuvenated Leicester City. There'll be certain players to keep an eye on. Um, one of them will be a centre-back, Harry Souter, six foot six, giant of a player. If you think about Harry Maguire, and then is I just call him like um, Harry Maguire XL. He's brilliant. I love him. Um, another one to Harvey Barnes, I think, will be another player. And also, as kind of a cliche, but I think it's true, Dean Henderson will do what he did with Jack Grealish to get the best out of him for James Madison. So the couple of players I'm looking at and another player, that, as, as you guys know as well, Jamie Vardy, I think, is re- re- revitalised and ready to go for the rest of the season. For our perspective, it's just about staying safe because the rest of the pack are falling away at the moment. So it's us and Southampton that are just there. But as you guys know, we're not one of the three worst teams in the Premier League. I think that's pretty much clear. However, a change needs to be made. We've made it now. And I just pray that the next four games we get something because if we don't get anything from them I think that's game over for Leicester City yeah what uh, what do you expect from or can you expect anything from uh, from Dean Smith tactically or will it be a bit of a surprise for you guys as much as us yeah so we were looking at this as a, as a fan base um, looking at some of the tactics that he's implemented previously um, and there's nothing really too much to look into because obviously there's not a lot that we can really judge but what we see he plays a 4-2-3-1 um, be that what you may, a 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1. Um, technically, he defends in a low mid-block from what we've seen. 
and then he'll push on the fullbacks and focus on crossing. So that's what we've seen from, again, the coaches' voices, looking at a couple of people that analyse him from before. Again, his time at Norwich didn't end very well, but we're mostly, we're hoping this, this comes in for the Aston Villa and the Brentford and Walsall before that. So we're hoping for more of the same, but time is running out. Eight, eight games left for us, and we just need to stay safe, whatever it costs. Yeah, well, uh, Neil, give us a, we've got the charity back coming up. Give us a score prediction for uh, for this game for you. What are you going for? Oh God! Uh, right. <laughs> um, well, it depends because obviously you guys were magnificent in midweek, and it it kind of I didn't want you to do as well because I do I do like Man City, but I'd I'd want us to do well against you, which means resting some of your players, and that's the advantage that we've had. We've had a week off. I'll go for a. Uh, I, I want to say Man City win, but I have to say a draw. I'll have to say a one-one draw for for Leicester. The Blue Moon Podcast. If City won't let you down on the pitch, let us let you down off it instead. That's Neil from Beyond the 90. Um, Chris, uh, good Easter weekend for City, all told, really. Um, You know, Arsenal dropping points at at Anfield. City, you know, doing the business on the South Coast. It's now back in City's hands. How has that happened? Yeah, it doesn't feel feel that long ago that it was looking quite uh, quite difficult, didn't it? I mean, five wins in a row for City now as well. The longest winning run of the season so far. It's feeling like things are starting to come together, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's all starting to click at the right time. Um, I just, considering how, you know, everybody, City fans included, certainly Arsenal fans, uh, apart from some of the more seasoned pessimists that still, uh, you know, remember some bad times, but, the press, everybody, they, they really are champions elect, aren't they? Everyone's been schmoozing about it and just lauding them as, as champions in waiting. And it looked unassailable from our point of view. It's like, well, they're not going to lose. You look at the games, it's like, well, you know, our running looks harder than theirs. They don't look like they're going to drop any points. They keep doing that thing, that annoying thing of, Winning, snatching, yeah, well, yeah, but winning <laughs> yeah. from winning from what you know in the last few minutes where it doesn't look like they're going to, and then you're like, well, that's how you win titles. That's what you keep hearing, isn't it? That's what wins titles. That's also what wins titles. Oh, they've just done that. That wins you titles as well. And yeah, I suppose winning is uh, the broad term for that. But <laughs> it's the way they've been doing it, it's been really kind of convincing. And then, and then they get one draw, and it's back in our hands. It's like, oh, right, okay, maybe I've been getting swept along in the narrative there. Um, and I, I, it depends on if they beat us and, and pull away that way. Fair play. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Deserve it. I, I don't think they will. Um, so it's up to us to just win the other games as well. And I think yeah, I mean, the, 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 very good. But the thing with it, though, like City know how to navigate these runnings, don't they? I mean, the, the number of times, when you think of, of, of the Guardiola eras at City, um, the times when City haven't navigated the end of the season, haven't gone on mad winning runs at the end of the season, they've already been out of the title race. They've not been in a. T- they've not been in in a in in an actual race with another club when they've had a little inconsistency towards the end of the season. Every time they've needed to to put these runs together, they have done. And knowing that, and knowing how they've been playing recently, like you can understand the confidence, can't you, Chris? Absolutely. I mean, Arsenal have not really had that. That twitchy moment, have they? Um, Unless Anfield was that, I don't know. Well, but 
He did well to get a point out of that. Liverpool could have easily scored. I know Arsenal had some chances as well, but some of the chances that Liverpool missed, including the penalty, like they could have been home and dry quite easily. And then I think they really would have been chewing on their undies. But um, the way we look, and it is that stage of the season, and we are putting that kind of run together, just uh, I think we've got that sanguine aroma in our nostrils, haven't we? It's there. It's there for the take and we can smell it. And we've got the players who've proved they've already that they can do it. And um, the fact that it's in our hands, it's got to be advantage City, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, Kieran, uh, obviously the, the other side of this is uh, the performance at Southampton. De Bruyne became the fastest to 100 Premier League assists. Um, Haaland, you know, f- breaking records every week. That there's, there's something about this team kind of achieving those things, isn't there? Yeah, um, Higgy's right. It is. It's just that that smell in the nostrils. It's it's a weird one because when you're at the top of the mountain like we were last season, how can you, you know, kind of ready yourself to to climb up again? And they they are. Uh, this has been one hell of a strange season for City. Um, in that you know you've got this absolute like monster of a striker who's come and is just breaking records left right and center and um de bruyne is getting assists left right and center and still we're not top of the league and you know the world cup presented a really really challenging kind of break of momentum and some of the players came back in in different moods and different approaches and attitudes the cancelo stuff uh, the kyle walker stuff you know this this season is kind of brought its own challenges and then all of a sudden you've got a new competitor as well in Arsenal um, so you know Liverpool have fallen away United have suddenly fallen away and you know you've got Pep up against one of his his old assistants and it's just it's brought a fresh challenge to him and and suddenly as as Chris says we're we're not letting them go and if if this is their sort of um we see. I, I think the thing was on uh, Sunday against Liverpool. I think Arteta got it wrong. I think that the substitutions, the time waste, and the approach, the tactics. Um, I, I think he was making mistakes. And at the moment, I mean, touch wood. Like Pep doesn't seem to be making mistakes. He seems to be getting every call right. Even taking De Bruyne off against Bayern the other night. Like Alvarez, come on, and suddenly we scored two more goals. Like every little thing that he's banking on or gambling on seems to be paying off. And Arteta maybe doesn't have that kind of experience at this end of the season of being the league leaders. Uh, and with City still to play them, haven't beaten them twice already this season, um, you would have to sort of fancy City's chances. Um, and it's crazy to think that that's where we're at because, you know, a few weeks ago it seemed dead in the water after Nottingham Forest. For some reason it just seemed like, you know, it's not going to be our year and fair play to Arsenal. I've written it off. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just quick word on on Harland Higgy bicycle kick. That was that. that reckon that's his best goal for City so far. Yes, what a ridiculous goal! Uh, it was sort of akin to some of his upside down foot flingers, where it looks like he's been launched out of a, a massive medieval catapult <laughs> and just manages to contrive to stick one limb or part of his body on it. But that was more of a more of a graceful balletic. Uh, motion on it. It was just absolutely sublime. Yeah. And also, um, <laughs> what was it? Was it against Southampton where he was going off the pitch and he took his hairband off 
and you got yeah. the full Timothy advert. Yeah. Someone yeah. posted on WhatsApp, it might have been Nico, said like that when his hair came down the whole pub went, oh. <laughs> 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 this is just ace. Yeah, we haven't talked about him shaking Bernardo Silva after the goal oh. against Bayern. You didn't <laughs> yeah, see that. Don't hurt him. Like, <laughs> yeah. Only a little. Yeah. It uh. was properly like the big show fighting Ray Mysterio or something, you know, like absolutely burr hugging him and shaking him left, right. And the tweet wasn't it? Somebody said, that's a grown man. <laughs> <laughs> So good. <laughs> uh, have oh, you seen dude. have you seen Harlan's cornrows this week as well? Yeah. Yeah, the little cute like girly pigtail plaits yeah. on this on this like Norwegian Viking robot. It's so <laughs> mad. A real proper uh, juxtaposition there. Yeah. Oh, there was a great video this week as well of Holland um that somebody had obviously taken from a few like open training sessions where um it was him at taking part in the rondos you know where the players stand around in a circle and pass one touch to each other and him just kept losing the ball and going absolutely ballistic about it you know and getting angry at his own self for losing the ball so often but none of the other players were paying him any heed at all it was just obviously he just doesn't have that in his skill set and he goes mad about it but all the other players are just getting on cracking on it's really really good yeah, um, let's let's. We've not actually talked about Leicester in all of this, so uh, let's have a look ahead to that game. Um, given the size of uh, the Champions League game that's to come on the Wednesday, Chris, but also given the score in that one, um, and given your knowledge of what Guardiola does in these sorts of run-ins, you can't expect anything other than almost the same team that played on Tuesday night and full throttle, can you? Well, I always say um, it's a fool that tries to. Second guess Guardiola's lineups. You say, "Oh, you can only expect this." Don't, don't come on now. You, you're leaving it down the path there, aren't you? Yeah. Of course, you, you can only expect the unexpected, really, with Pep. Uh, hopefully, he'll overthink it that much that he'll come back to thinking it absolutely spot on and normally again. But like when you know when the like when Pac-Man goes off the left hand side of the screen and comes back on the right. Is that what you mean? <laughs> that's, a very, that's a very good analogy. Did you just think of that just then? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and they've got similar hairstyles as well. <laughs> so yeah, I see what I see where you've got that. Yeah, but he's fond, exactly he's fond that of he's fond of giant cherries and big bananas as well, isn't he? <laughs> he's he a true is, bird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, always chased by ghosts as well. Haunted, well, haunted by his past. <laughs> we've all got a yeah, we've all got a past. But um, it's a bit of a weird one with Leicester, though. I mean, the Neil there from the Leicester. Pod saying how everyone wanted rid of Rogers and he, he used to praise the opposition and say that and he did new players and they want rid of him and everyone's satisfied when he was out the door and happy with Dean Smith. I just find it all a bit weird because he seemed to be saying that the team they had when they beat us 5-2 a couple, two, three years ago, he seemed to be saying that, you know, it's pretty much the same team, so we're still a good team, but the fact that it's pretty much the same team means that they've not really invested in players and you can't stand still. Leicester seem to have gone, you know, just just got progressively weaker as a team. And Dreddy Walter for a bit, yeah. Yeah, they're not rubbish, but they're not improving constantly, which is, you know, basically means you're going down. Uh, in terms of momentum, I don't mean going down and relegated, but they're, they're getting worse. So it's a strange one. Maybe Dean Smith's a better, a better player in terms of, sorry, a better manager in terms of managing um a limited squad without expecting any big signings, and Rogers needs new signings for his vision of how to, how to play. 
Yeah. Is, is, is he a better manager than Rodgers? I wouldn't say so, but I don't know. Yeah, it's a weird one with Leicester. They seem to have lost a lot of uh, good players, and the result is obvious. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. But don't worry, it'll be over soon. Kieran, obviously, as, as Higgy says there, new manager, uh, very little time for them to work on a, a plan for City. You expect them will probably sit deep and, and try and cut out the, the spaces as usual. When they did that, the King Power, they were pretty stubborn and hard to break down. Yeah, I seem to recall it was just a, it was a Kevin De Bruyne free kick that got us the three points at theirs. Um, and it was a bit of a, a bit of a turgid um, game that was yeah delivered in a bit of a low block with without the kind of thrill of past games against Leicester um, against Rodgers Leicester as well. There was the six three and the five two and um, at theirs it was always a bit more. Um, they seemed to neutralise us a bit better at the King Power. So. Um, it, yeah, as you say, it, it's hard because Dean Smith has just come in, um, hasn't had much time to turn them around. So I, he'd probably just really, really try to park the bus at the weekend, and hopefully, City can just negotiate a uh, way through the way they have been with every team at the moment and, and keep that momentum going. Um, City are just are just better than Leicester, um, and hopefully go. that just shows. Got to go prove it now, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, right, well, no wins on the charity bet this week. Uh, that keeps us on £705 so far for the season. We'll try again with Leicester and Bayern. Uh, William Hill has given each of us a £10 correct score single. The winnings are going to the Man City fans' food bank support. Uh, they'll be under the bridge by Asda from around 3 o'clock on Saturday as well, so go and see them with a donation if you can. Uh, we will start with Leicester. Uh, we'll start with you, Kieran. What are you going for for this one? 4-1 uh, to Manchester City. 4-1 City is uh, 14 to 1 and 140 pounds if you're right. Uh, we heard Neil went for one all. That's 16 to 1 and 160 pounds if he's right. Higgy, what are you having? I'm going one better than that. I'm going to say 5-1. Five, 5-1 one. Five, one is 22 to 1 and 220 pounds if you are right for that one. Uh, we'll then move on to the second leg for Bayern. Kieran, where you, where, where you, where's your money for this one? Uh, I think City might try and keep it tight and it'll be one all. Nice one all, seeing City through safely into the semi-finals. That's thirteen to two, sixty-five pounds if you're right. Uh, I have gone for a two-one City win because I think Bayern will have to be a little bit more open in this game, and open teams suit City. So nine to one and ninety pounds if I'm right, Higgy. 
Yeah, similar thinking to you in terms of buying have to go for it, sort of a bit, bit more um, there for us. And I'm gonna, I've gone three one. I always like to give a nice, positive, uh, juicy prediction. I yeah, well, works, but I'm not <laughs> well, three one if it comes in. Eighteen to one and one hundred and eighty pounds if you are right. Uh, remember, you've got to be eighteen or over to gamble. Prices can change, and please gamble responsibly. To get more information on gambling responsibly, take a look at begambleaware.org. Now then, there have been more managerial changes in the Premier League this term than any other season previously. Pep Guardiola is the fourth longest serving manager in England at the time of recording, and he's now been the City boss for nearly seven years. It's a far cry from a five-month spell in 1996 that saw five different people take charge of the club, both on a permanent and caretaker basis. Sam Roscoe's on not-so-happy nostalgia duty this week. There's probably no manager in world football who is more secure in their job than Pep Guardiola at Manchester City. I think that the sport directors or the owners like uh, take a decision to keep the manager alive or sack him is how he works. Of course, the results are so important, but how he works every day and it was your plan, more or less, it works. And after this question of time... Guardiola is City's longest-serving boss since Les McDowell who did 13 years at the club in the 1950s and 60s. With every contract extension, he says he has to feel like he's earned it. But the truth is, City don't want him to go anywhere. You yourself never been sacked. Is it, is it because you, you knew how long to stay, where to stay? No, no, I would tell you the secret. We will win games. If we don't win games, I will be sacked. It's not because I am. My hair is better than the other ones. I'm not sacked because I win. We win. A lot of games. But he does understand why some clubs change their managers so frequently. In this country, when I was younger, I always had the tradition to keep the managers, you know, whatever happened today, with the different owners, with a lot of pressure for everyone, a lot of investment. So, in one side, I understand. So, everyone has a lot of pressure. And always the people believe to change because they believe they'll get, will get, better, get better. Sometimes it works, sometimes. Don't. The sometimes it doesn't aspect of what Guardiola said there can definitely be applied to City in the mid-1990s. Everything spiralled out of control after relegation from the Premier League in 1996. The manager at the time was Alan Ball, and he would only last three games into the following season. Striker Paul Dickoff was his final signing, and when we spoke to him on the podcast... We asked if that was a period of turmoil at the club. Well, it is when you consider you signing on the Friday and the manager fucking resigns on the Sunday. I'd already had a couple of managers at Arsenal during the pre-season and I think it was something, well, it was ridiculous, the amount of managers I had from the July-August time to the January. You know, every new manager comes in, one likes you, one doesn't, but that seemed to happen every week. <laughs> Dickoff played in Ball's final match. Replacing him was caretaker Asa Hartford, and, eight games later, the next permanent manager was in place. Steve Coppel left Crystal Palace to take up the role, but he lasted just 33 days, resigning after six matches, saying the pressure of the job was too much. His assistant, Phil Neal, took the reins temporarily for the next ten fixtures, and then Frank Clark was appointed. That's five managers between the 26th of August and the 28th of December in 1996 or roughly one new manager every 25 days. 
we spoke to Frank Clark on the podcast in 2010. The biggest thing for me was the, the supporters, the numbers that we got when we were struggling in the old, what's now the championship, the level of support, the quality of support was absolutely fantastic. The rest of it is, is a bit of a blur, really. It was a difficult job, but I didn't do myself justice there, you know, so it was... It all went a bit sad for me, but, but the supporters were fantastic, really. He explained what the situation was like at the club at the time. I found it very difficult. The club wasn't really united at that time. There were a number of different factions. They had a lot of managers in, uh, quite quickly beforehand. So we had too many players. We had about nearly 50 professionally, all on decent wages. Very difficult to move on. Clark's time at City wasn't a success. He finished that season in mid-table and the bad form continued into 1997-98. I wasn't really able to get the grip of it, you know. We, I steadied the ship when I first went there and I hoped to, to take it on from there, but I wasn't able to do it and that's a, that is a major, major disappointment in my, uh, my managerial career. Really. When you play at a club like Manchester City, the expectations are enormous, are big. You need players with character, and we probably didn't have, uh, have enough of those. Georgie Kincladi, who I love, he was a player, a problem I never really solved. I really liked him as a player. If I could have figured out a way of setting up the team to be successful and get the best out of Georgie, I think we could have gone on, but I never really did, and that was my fault, not his. Clark was sacked in February 1998, slightly more than a year after taking over. He left City in 23rd in what's now the Championship. Joe Royal's appointment didn't halt the slide and City were relegated for the second time in three seasons. Royal, however, brought back stability to Main Road, overseeing a clear out of players and back-to-back -back promotions. He spent three and a half years in the City dugout and that's an absolute age compared to the tenures of some of his predecessors. I'm Clyde Tilsley. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, Barmy and I, Barcelona, all that. Yeah, that Clyde Tilsley. Um, you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. Enjoy. Get a dollop of City Nostalgia every Monday. Sign up at patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. That was Sam Roscoe looking at City's managerial changes in 1996. Uh, we're going to finish with some audience questions. Get them in for next week on Twitter, at Blue Moon Podcast. You can email us as well through the website, bluemoonpodcast.com. Um, in a slight break from convention, I'm going to start for this week. Um, because one of the places that I work for is is Five Live, and on Tuesday ahead of the game, I was asked to look over a script for an item previewing City's game with Bayern. Uh, the person that wrote it described the tie as between two powerhouses of European football, and it sparked a discussion around the desk that I was working on about whether City can be classed as a powerhouse. Nobody wants to draw them. They're consistently champions of England. They're regulars in the Champions League, and they, uh, they're, they're regulars in the latter stages of the Champions League. They're often in the quarters, the semis, but... They've never won it. So, Kieran, City, a European powerhouse. What do you think? Um, see, I think it's a question of semantics, really, isn't it? Like, like define it. Yeah, yeah. So, and I, I mean, I guess that's the question you're asking, isn't it? Really? Like, yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, 
see, in my head, a European powerhouse is a member of the kind of traditional elite. Um, and but, as that much as that, but that definitely includes teams that are worse than City. It, oh, most definitely. Most, most definitely. Like, Ab- City are the best team in Europe, in my eyes at the moment. Um, and they have been there or thereabouts, one of the best teams in Europe for, you know, for years and years now. Um, it's just it's just the, the definition of a European powerhouse. Um, like, I, I don't know if that remark suits us as a club i think i think we're europe's i think we're one of europe's kind of um like new kids on the block almost or like a bit of a um a bit of a uh upstart to it all and we're kind of like we're a challenge to that traditional elite and i i certainly think we are a powerful club we're one of the best clubs in the world um, but I just don't know if the actual dictionary definition of a European powerhouse is it's it's us. Yeah. What do you reckon, Higgy? Because like in terms of, of powerhouses, as Kieran says, City one of the best teams in Europe. Like you'd include Real Madrid, you'd include Bayern Munich. But like could you say Nottingham Forest as two times winners of the European Cup? Could you say Aston Villa who've not played in the like two teams that haven't played in, in European competition for a long time? Like, are they powerhouses? But they've won the cup, but City haven't. <laughs> Well, no, they're not, obviously. Um, they're not even powerhouses in domestic football. Um, I'd say they're more well-kept bungalows of English football. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't, think, I don't think you can call us a, a powerhouse of European football without having ever won it. Um, I mean, we're aspiring to be that and we're, you know, Everything's in place for us to be that, but until we've until we've won um, the Champions League, you can't call us a European powerhouse. If we'd won five UEFA leagues, you could call us that. But as it is, we're an aspiring European powerhouse. I mean, again, it comes down to dis- define power. I don't really like the word powerhouse ever since the Northern powerhouse uh, term was coined, and what a sham that turned out to be. But for me. Nottingham Forest, two European Cups, are they European powerhouse? No. City, regularly in Europe, never having won it. European powerhouse, no. City in three years, when they've won it twice, yes. But, <laughs> uh, you know, watch, watch this space. Watch this space is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Watch this space. <laughs> yeah. Um, Steve Simpson on Twitter says, uh, have you seen this from Talk Sport? What do you think of Pierce's claim that he was sacked because of Shinawatra's takeover and not the team's performance in his final season? If you missed it, this is what he said. I got sacked from Manchester City um, when the money coming to Manchester City, um, you know, the Thai owners. Shinawatra. Yeah, the, the, when they come in. And... Um, I was feeling sorry for myself and, and whatever. And I went to see England under-19s the following night after getting sacked because I was I was taking the under-21s at the time to a, to a tournament. I'd sort of sat in the uh, at Walsall football ground and Tony Poulis walked in, booted me. I looked up and he went, get your head up, son. You've not managed till you've had three good sackings. And it was brilliant <laughs> advice, honestly. Yeah. It put every... But... You'll be amazed. Even I, I, I think I'm pretty thick-skinned. But if you get sacked from a job, you walk down the street and you, th- you think people are thinking, oh, there's that bloke who got sacked from Manchester City. But no one gives a damn. 
What do you reckon, Higgy? Sacks because of the money or sacks because his team didn't score a goal after New Year's Day? Well, <laughs> I think, well, he said he sacked because Shinawatra came in with all the money. And to an extent, I think that's right because Shinawatra came in, would have looked at his record, looked at the fact he's got some money to sign someone better and gone, yeah, we're definitely sacking this guy. But he's only <laughs> scored, what, how many goals in 19 goals all season at home or something ridiculous? He's, he's obviously still feeling a little bit sorry for himself. Um, if that's how he wants to spin it and make himself feel better, then fine. I mean, of course he got sacked through results. If he'd have been, imagine if he'd have been a brilliant manager and won loads of games. Do you think Shinawatra would have come in with all that money or whoever it was and, and sacked him regardless? No, he got sacked because he was crap. Yeah. <laughs> Kieran, there's not really much more to add, but ten got ten home league goals all season. Um, I don't think you you don't really have the right to turn around after that and say that um, that it was a bit of an unfair sack, Indy. No, I'm sure he realizes goose was cooked. No matter who the owner was, really, if your if if your performance is that bad all season. I actually, um, actually, now that I think about it, I think he was sacked the day after the season finished, which was a long time before Shinovatra took that's over. That's what I was thinking. I, like, I didn't even think that the timeline really matched because I'm sure there was a little while where City were kind of managerless and you didn't know who was going to take the job. And then suddenly the, the Sven rumours started. Like, I don't even know if his, his actual timeline is accurate there. It's just his sort of rewriting of history um, to suit his own agenda, and because he's still, you know, he's still down in the mouth about it. Um, but at least Tony Pulis kicking him up the arse, <laughs> like, and told him he needed to get sacked three times was the advice he needed to soothe himself. Like, if that's the standard, uh, what a tonic! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You've not made it until you get sacked three times. That that just... technically means that Guardiola's never made it. Yeah, well, yeah, there we go. I mean, that's the conclusion that we can draw. Yeah. Um, final question for this week comes from Robbie on the emails. He says, uh, you recently did a bit on the podcast about the non-City players that get on your nerves. So how about a nice version of that? Which players do you have a soft spot for that never played for City? No superstars like Messi, though, for instance. So uh, any uh, any names that spring to mind that you've that you've always admired but uh, but never played for City? Kieran. Well, I was going to say Esco, but he I didn't. knew like you were going to say Esco. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I'll always see him as the one that got away because, the, like, he was so close to joining, and then it, it was literally every transfer window he was rumored to be signing for us. Um, so yeah, I've always always had a, a weird thing about Esco, especially when you know there was that picture of him in the in the city t- shirt from years ago. Um, but yeah, like I just when I was getting into football in the kind of like mid nineties, you know, there, I I, re- I remember really really liking um, Pavel Cernicek yeah. for Newcastle. Uh, he's uh, who's passed away now, really sadly. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked him. Um, I remember there was a kind of like uh, Morton Gams Pedersen sort of had this cool thing about him that people like me who know nothing about football sort of knew a little bit about him and saw him score a couple of absolute screamers. He was in a boy uh, band as well in, in Norway. I'm sure he was. Oh, right, but. yeah. There was just this sort of cool font. Like, well, he's not as cool anymore if he was in a boy, <laughs> boy band in Norway, but I thought he was at the time. Um, 
yeah p- players like that who just like uh you, ha- you have a little weird soft spot for but not really sure why i like ravinelli as well that kind of middlesbrough side of of the of the mid 90s um, oh, i hated them i hated a lot of them yeah, oh, me you? too. Yeah. They knocked us out of both cups one year, and I went to yeah. one of the games. It was awful. Assen Park. Wow. Oh no, I had a, I had a soft spot for Janino. Um and yeah, I quite liked them. Weirdly, uh, there was there was a Do bunch you like of lads Tony from. Daly? No, uh, oh, I like okay. I like I like Craig Hignett because I'm sure said he were going to sign him. What? Yeah, he was rumored with us all the time. He he was a bit of an early like trailblazer for the Isco kind of thing where we were always rumoured to sign him. Oh, Wasn't that Mido? Mido, yeah. Mido as well, yeah. Yeah. Higgy, any any for you that uh, that never played for City that you had a soft spot for? Uh, well, I said Tony Daly, I used to like him. Um, there's a few players from the 90s, well, I don't know, current players I would say. I quite like um, John McGinn. Yeah. Uh, Ivan Tony. I quite got a lot of time for. Not quite sure about his betting habits, but he seems mm. like a good bloke. And obviously, um, every single West Ham player that there's ever been. <laughs> and their fans. Just ahead of this weekend or in general? <laughs> Especially ahead of this weekend. Especially ahead of this weekend. Ludo McClasco, most definitely. Oh, come on. What a song. right well that brings us to an end for this week's Blue Moon podcast thank you very much for listening also thanks to my guests Chris Higginbottom thank you very much for having me and Kieran Murray thank you David stay tuned for a clip of this week's Patreon show it's a City Heaven City Hell edition about games against Bradford City sign up to our Patreon page to hear the full thing we'll see you next week That was the Blue Moon Podcast. Please give the show a rating and a review where you can. And don't forget, you can listen without the ads by signing up to our Patreon. You'll also get an extra episode each Monday. Here's a clip of this week's. A fan ran on the pitch, pleading, he went straight up to Paul Lake, pleading with him to do something, you know, with, with like, I don't know, 15 minutes ago or something like that. And as far as those fans are concerned, that, that's what changed him. Of course it's not. <laughs> that, I was going to say, that, that, that's, that's going to help, it. isn't it? Yeah, I've just run another pitch and go, have you thought about maybe playing a bit better? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have you thought about scoring a goal? Have you thought about this? But we all talk about Trevor Morley and his part in it. And there's two things that stand out. One, one Trevor Morley initially thought he was offside. You know, he, he, thought, he thought a flag was going to be waved somewhere. So, again, fine lines and all that. Um, but we also pretend, we sort of forget about David White's part in that. You know, David White did a bit of a run and, and get, got a lot across to Trevor Morley when, you know, prior to that, in that game, things just didn't quite work out for City. So at the end of the game, all the stewards allowed us just to basically go on the pitch. It was one of those great moments, you know, City and Bradford fans were sort of swapping scarves and doing all those positive things that never get in the in the papers and that. I had before I've taken him in, on the manager's seat in the dugout. Um, but it just it was just a great it just one of those bizarre great moments, you know. You can listen to more of that at patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast and join us again next time for another episode. Hey. 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.